0: Good morning. Are you guys well? Feeling pretty good. I am one of the weird people. The colder it gets, the better mood I'm in. So I'm hoping we are done with the summer weather forever. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Dustin. I'm on staff here at South Point. I get the privilege of working with our worship team and also the privilege of working with our students um, Each week here at South Point, we open up the Bible and we go to God's scripture and we do this with the intention of getting to know Jesus better and also trying to get to know uh, better Jesus' plan for our lives and what he wants for our life right here and right now. And what we're doing in 2021, if you're new to South Point, for the entire year of 2021, we're doing something called Revealing Jesus. And in this Revealing Jesus thing that we're doing, we're spending all of 2021 studying the Gospel of John, this biography that the disciple John writes about Jesus. And we're doing this with the sole intention of just simply getting to know Jesus more deeply, getting to know Jesus better, because we believe that Jesus is the foundation of our faith, he's the foundation of our lives, he's why we come together, he's why we sing these songs, he's why we open up scripture, he is the foundation of everything that we do. And in the middle of this year-long study, we are currently in this eight-week series that we are calling I Am. And in this I Am series, what we're doing is we are still in this Gospel of John, and what we're doing is we're looking at these statements that Jesus makes where he directly says, I am, where Jesus begins to identify himself, and you can see all these different ways in which he identifies himself, but the, the truth is if we're, we're trying to get to know Jesus better, if that's our plan, there is no better source to go than Jesus directly. So these are statements where Jesus is saying, I am, and I'm really excited about it, and, and the moment... That we're looking at today, this I am statement that Jesus makes that we're looking at today is the statement where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. And so let's pray together before we open up God's word and let's see what he has for us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the way maker and that you work miracles, and that you keep your promises, and that you are with us in every situation, even if we aren't directly aware of it, that you are never far, and nothing can separate us from your love. God, I pray that as we open up your word today, that these words be yours and not mine. I pray that we see you more clearly, that we get a better understanding of who you are and what you want for us, because we truly believe that this is all about you. It's not about us. Uh, we love you. Let us see you clearly. Let us meet with you in this place right here and right now. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of John, like I said, and we're going to be in John chapter 10, if you have a physical Bible with you. If not, then uh, we'll have the words up on the screen, you can read along, but John chapter 10, and the statement that Jesus makes is, I am the gate. Now this is a pretty decent chunk of scripture, and so as Tanner's been saying, try not to tune out, try not to miss this. This is the most important part of what we do this morning, and so we're going to read through this together, I invite you to read along Uh, as I read it says this Jesus is talking to religious leaders Pharisees and he says this very truly I tell you Pharisees anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I think a lot of us, this is really metaphorical. Even myself read through this, it's hard to understand what Jesus is getting at. So he goes through it again. It says says, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus pointing to the cross. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. This talking about other sheep. Jesus came and died for the people of Israel, to give them an opportunity at freedom, but he also died for everyone who was not an Israelite. Jesus is for all people, so Jesus is pointing at the Israelites and also everyone. He says, I must bring them also. He says, they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Jesus is talking about his physical life. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so you read, through this, and even though we may not directly see the weight of it, the way that these Israelites respond to it should give us an idea. What Jesus is saying in these passages is catastrophic to what they understand religion to be. They cannot wrap their minds around it. And so they're saying he has to be possessed by a demon or crazy because this makes no sense. But this biggest point, and I'm going to reiterate, this is our first point of what we're talking about today. The biggest takeaway in this passage is that Jesus is the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. Now as long and wordy as this passage is, even the people back then were listening and they were like, uh, having a hard time receiving this. And so I'm going to give you some of the context with all this sheep and gate talk uh, so that you can understand it a little bit better. And we can understand this picture that Jesus is painting so we can understand what he's actually trying to tell us. So this sheep, gate, shepherd, pin, all this talk, let's unpack in a little bit. So you guys know what sheep are. I assume. The fluffy, white, bat. It's pretty good, right? I'm practicing all week for that moment. Uh, you understand what a sheep is, and you understand the role of a shepherd. The shepherd's job is to get the sheep where they're meant to be and to do so as safely as possible. And the shepherd and the sheep, they used to take these journeys that could take days and weeks, months even, and often the shepherd and the sheep would find themselves out in the wilderness. And I don't know what you know about the wilderness or if you've ever been out there, but out in the wilderness there aren't just barns around available for shepherds to use if they need them. And so what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would take logs and sticks and stones and brush and he would physically make a pen for all of his sheep. Now ideally there'd be like a cliff and he could do like a semicircle, but if there was nothing else available, this shepherd would literally create this giant circle out of all these stones and rocks and logs and And all this other stuff for a rectangle and it would be the pen that could safely hold all the sheep. Now another thing about the wilderness is that unlike this stage, they just don't have spare doors lying around. And so what the shepherd would do is he would intentionally leave a gap in the pen that he'd built. And instead of building a door, the shepherd himself would stand in that gap. He'd stand in the barrier and he would function as the door, And the only way the sheep could get into the pen was directly through the shepherd, because the shepherd was the gate. Now, if you haven't pieced this together, we are the sheep in this illustration, as is frequently the case if you read the Bible. And Jesus is the shepherd, and therefore the gate. And when we make the decision to follow Jesus, we enter through the gate, and we are given life both forever in heaven and life in abundance today, right here and right now. And so you can look around at the world, and you can witness the wilderness that is, that is the anger The instability, the fear, the polarization, the radicalization, the politics, all of this uncertainty and it feels like wilderness and it can often make it feel like, man, I just wish there was some safe, secure place that I could go to get away from all this mess. And Jesus says, I can be that for you, but you have to come to me and through me because I am the gate and I am the only gate. So if you're new to scripture with us, it's good to know that... All the books of the Bible, these are not all separate works. Actually, all the books of the Bible are more like puzzle pieces, and they're one long, cohesive work. And like we talked about at the beginning, the point of all these scriptures is to give us a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what he wants for our lives. And so when you come across a really specific phrase like this phrase, gate, if you're new to the Bible, it is a really good practice to see where else in the Bible does this phrase pop up, because maybe they work together to give us an even better idea of who Jesus is. And so that's what I did. I took this word gate, and that's what I did, and this is what I found. And one of the other gospels, one of the other uh, biographies about Jesus' life, this is a statement that comes directly from Jesus, and he says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it, which brings us to our second point. The first is that Jesus is the gate. The second point is that the gate is narrow. Now, when I was a kid in Sunday school, I remember reading this passage, and I would see these pictures of the narrow road and the narrow gate, and this is, this is what they look like. So it's kind of hard, but you can see a little bit. This, this picture of the narrow road and the wide road, and this, for me, was a little... This is almost like... It's a little... It messes with your head a little bit when you're a kid. Because if you look at this, what you see is on this side, at the end of the road, you can see heaven. And it's like castles and angels and, and the clouds and the perfect and the rainbow and all these beautiful things. And then at the end of this road over here is hell. And you see the fire and you see the lightning and the destruction and the black mountains. And if you could zoom in, what you would see is that on the wide road, you'll see all these different kinds of behaviors start to surface. You'll see people fighting and people partying, and people drinking, and people stealing, and any number of bad behaviors that someone could get caught up into. And then over here on the narrow road, what you'll see is, is good like Christian moral behaviors. You'll see people praying, and you'll see people giving to the poor, and you'll see little buildings that say Sunday school on them. And then over here, someone's even fighting a lion, and I don't even know what that's all about. But, <laughs> but, but then down here at the beginning of the narrow road, you have Jesus on the cross, off to the side. And so what's the message that I was being told? What's the message that's conveyed in images like this? Well, the message is that living in sin is really easy to do. And so a lot of people do it, but living in sin is a road that leads you straight to hell. And living morally and living righteous and being a morally good person is really hard to do. And that's why the road is so thin, but it's the only way that you can get to heaven. I'm sure you've heard people say, man, I used to be wild, and I used to do all these bad things, but now I live my life on the straight and narrow. That's where this idea and this phrase comes from. But can I quickly just dismantle this picture for you? Because the truth is the narrow road isn't narrow because it requires you to live some kind of morally sinless perfect life. You know why this picture, actually pictures like these scared me to death when I was a kid? Because... I knew, I knew myself, and I knew that there was no way I was ever going to be perfect at doing all these things, and so if this was the prerequisite for going to heaven, I knew that I was going to hell because there was no way that I could live like that all the time. The truth is, the narrow road isn't narrow because it requires you to live a morally sinless life. The narrow road is narrow because it passes through one person. It passes through Jesus. The narrow road is as wide as, as one person, the person of Jesus. Because Jesus is the gate. He is the narrow road. He's not simply at the beginning of the road. He's the entire road. He's the Savior. He's the gate. And the reason why it's so hard for people to find this road, it's not because we can't accept it. Um, It's not because we can't live this morally sinless life. The reason why so many people have a hard time finding the narrow road is because it is so hard for us to accept that Jesus really is just that good and offers himself freely to us. We have to add other things to it. We've never been giving anything freely in our life without condition, and so we have to add conditions to this. We need to believe that it can't just be Jesus that saves you. It also has to be how good of a person you are after you meet him. We can't let it depend on Him. It has to depend on us to some degree. We need to have some kind of control over this, but I'm telling you that your life depending on you and how good of a person you can be is a wide road mindset and it leads to hell. And you need to know that. Jesus is the gate, there is no other gate. And if you live your life obsessing over all these other gates, then at the end of your life, you're going to reach the door and you're going to open it up and you're going to be disappointed. In reality, The wide road is way more wide than we give it credit for. And the narrow road is even more narrow than we can imagine because the narrow road is Jesus and Jesus alone. So the truth is it is either Jesus or it's not. And if the truth is that it's either Jesus or it's not, then the enemy doesn't have to get you hooked on drugs or create some kind of anger problem or porn addiction or any other thing that you can get caught up in. The truth is it's either Jesus or it's not. He just has to get you focused on anything that is not Jesus. And that's not really too hard to do. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, are you distracted right now? Has your attention been diverted anywhere other than Jesus? And these are questions we need to be constantly asking ourselves. These are important questions. Why? Because you can, you can remember what we just read and we'll read it again. Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the only gate. That means that anything that isn't Jesus falls into this camp of thief. It's either Jesus offering you life or it's the thief offering you death. And if you aren't following Jesus for the sake of just following Jesus, if your motives have become skewed, if you have other plans, if you're seeking after the gifts more than the giver, then you're following a thief. And I say this, and don't say it lightly, It's probably going to make some people mad, but I think it's something that needs to be said in the church. If the biggest goal of your relationship with Jesus right now, if the thing that you obsess about, if the thing that you talk about, if the thing that you post about, that you engage people about, the things that keep you up at night, if the biggest biggest goal of your relationship with Jesus right now is to see this country get fixed and be morally good again, if it ever was, if that's your biggest goal in your relationship with Jesus right now, I promise you, you are following a thief. And then on this side... If the biggest goal of your relationship with Jesus right now, if the thing that you obsess about, the thing that you engage people about, the thing that you post about that keeps you up at night, the thing that you can't stop thinking about, if the biggest goal in your relationship with Jesus right now is to see social justice delivered, to see oppression erased, to see that part of this country fixed, if that's the biggest goal of your relationship right now, I'm telling you, you are following a thief. And if the biggest goal of your relationship right now is for your own benefit, for your own life. Man, I, I need to just, I need to find the right person to be with. I need Jesus to give that to me. I need Jesus to land me in the right career right now. I need Jesus to heal me of this. If, if your motives are for Jesus to give you what you want out of life, then I'm telling you, you are following a thief. Now, all of these things are potential byproducts. These are things that can Happen When a community of people really chases after Jesus, they can happen, but we've done something a little crazy as a community. What we've done is we've taken these potential byproducts and we've put them on the throne in Jesus' place. And what we're doing is we're no longer out here trying to share the good news of the gospel, and we're no longer out here being vulnerable about where we've struggled and how lost we were, and how we used to be dead, but Jesus gave us a brand new life. We're not out here talking about that. We're out here talking about how messed up other people are and trying to get them to change, and we're out here trying to change people's behavior still. The same old song. It's just new characters now. Masks, vaccines, laws, mandates, wars, elections, identity, corruption, conservative, liberal, patriotism, racism, sexism anthems protesting. What is it? It goes on and on and on. These things have become the main thing. And if you're a Jesus follower, you have been told by some people that it because you're a Jesus follower, you need to draw a line in the sand on these issues and dig your feet in and not budge because we're Jesus followers and we're supposed to fight against society and man, Jesus did not come to simply give us a new set of moral ideals that we're supposed to then go inflict on the rest of the world. Jesus came so that you could experience life. Jesus came because you were dead and you needed someone to bring you back to life. Jesus came so that he could be the foundation of your life. Jesus didn't just come so that he could change some things about your life. He came so that he could be your life. But we say things like it's all about Jesus. And I think people think sometimes we're exaggerating or like playing around. But we really mean that it's all about Jesus. And I promise you that if something is vying for my attention, if something's fighting for my attention in a way that distracts me away from him, I don't care about it and I don't want it. And I don't care how important the world says it is because the world is a thief. And how long is it going to take for us to learn that the world really does not care about us at all? Read verses twelve and thirteen again. You'll see it. The hired hand is not the shepherd. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks and the flock scat. And he attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Which brings us to our next point that's extremely important and relevant, and the point is that the hired hand is not Jesus. The hired hand is not Jesus. You can look around right now and find an endless number of people and organizations and causes fighting for your allegiance, and you'll get hammered with it all day long. Look here and spend your money here and subscribe to this channel and sign this petition and follow this person and vote for this party and we're getting pulled in a million different directions. And for what? Because they have something worthwhile to offer you because they really care about you? No. No. They don't care about you. They can't, at least not to the degree that Jesus does. Truth is, they're here for the paycheck. They're here for the following. They're here for the reputation. Like a hired hand, you aren't really theirs because you can't be theirs because they don't know you the way Jesus does. You don't mean that much to them. And so when the wolf comes, when things get hard and someone has to fall on the sword and it's either you or them, you better believe they're going to let you fall on the sword every single time. And we do We break relationships, and we cause division, and we speak hate, and we verbally assault people, and we do this to defend people or things who would not lift a finger to help us. And I'm not trying to crush anyone's spirit or be overly cynical or negative, but this is just the state of the world, man. You are barely even a person to them. Politicians, influencers, celebrities, businesses, you are a receipt, and you're a vote, and you're a dollar, you're a click, a like. And the second you're no longer beneficial to them, they will throw you out with the garbage. But Jesus, Jesus already has everything he needs in his perfect relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need you. And so you can't offer him anything. All you bring to him is brokenness. But you're his. And he loves you. And there's so much love in him. he literally is love so much so that he cannot help but to pour it out and offer it freely. And when sin and brokenness stacked up, And our brokenness and our hurt and our mistakes were made time and time again. And this massive wedge was pushed between us and God because of our own imperfection. And bloodshed was the only way that we could be reconciled. It was the only way that we could have a chance at a new life. When someone had to die, the difference between Jesus and these hired hands is that they'll let you fall on your sword. But Jesus says, take me and let them go. And Jesus is always there, man. He's always reaching out no matter what you've done or how far you've fallen or how weak your faith has become. And when you're down and out so bad that everyone else should or maybe even has write or written you off or turned their back on you, Jesus is still there. Book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20 says this. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And he with me. I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. Our next point is that Jesus waits for us. Jesus is always there. He waits for us. I stand at the door and knock. You know, sometimes I think we read this passage and the picture we get in our head is this really passive one of Jesus just like just really friendly and casual. But when I read the whole of Scripture and I read about Jesus and what he's willing to endure for you and me, that does not just sound like, does it? It seems like so much more than that. A couple of weeks back, our adult leaders and I, we took some of our high schoolers to Tennessee, the Christ and Youth Move Conference. Some of you donated for that. Some of you prayed for us, and I appreciate that. And while we were there, we learned about this organization called the Mustard Seed Network. What the Mustard Seed Network does is they're trying to take the gospel, the story of Jesus, and they're trying to spread it throughout the nation of Japan. As if you didn't know, in Japan, less than 1% of the population follows Jesus, and less than 5% of the Japanese population has even heard his name. In Japanese culture, if you didn't know, it's significantly less forgiving than ours. There is no room for individuality or creativity or going your own way. There's a saying there that that the nail that stands out gets hammered down. And so we learned that there's a portion of the population, there's over a million people in Japan who've completely withdrawn from society. These people are what's known as Hikikomora, this massive group of people and they're so overwhelmed and anxious, and depressed, and isolated, and they just cannot find a way to integrate into society. And so they've given up, and they just isolate themselves away from the rest of the world. They lock themselves in the room. They talk to no one. They interact with no one, not even their family. And, man, it's devastating. And we we watch this film, illustrates how this plays out and how broken and lost someone in this situation can be. And the film showed the story of this Hakikamora girl And this girl is just wrecked, and she can't even get out of bed. She starts hearing voices that are telling her they're they're telling her all these things that she's not. They're lying to her. She can barely move, and she's just crushed. And her mother, time and time again, comes to her door and just knocks and pleads for her. She brings her food, and she's trying to take care of her. And she's just, you can see her on the other side of the door just pleading for her daughter To open up and she can hear her daughter's cries and she can hear that she's hurting. She says, open the door and let me help you. Let me help you. You don't have to do this by yourself. And then I promise you, when I saw that, this verse in Revelation immediately came to my mind. Because I think that's what it looks like when Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks. It is not passive. It is this pleading. And putting his head against the door and just saying, man, I, I know you're hurting. And I know you're broken. I know all this other stuff that you caught up with. And I can help you if you just open the door. You don't have to do this by yourself anymore. And Jesus knocks. And he knocks. And how do we respond? And that brings us to our last point. Our last point is that Jesus requires a decision. He knocks on the door he makes an invitation and he requires us to respond and if you zoom out a little on this revelation verse jesus shows us the decision we'll go back just a few verses to verse 15 and jesus says this he says i know your deeds jesus says i know you i know the way you think i know the mistakes you've made i know the mistakes you're gonna made i know your brokenness I know the ways in which you're messed up. I know the things that you're obsessing with over right now. I know the number of hairs on your head. I know you. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need anything. You say, I'm good, Jesus. You saved me, you gave me a list of how to live my life, and I'm good. I see all these problems in the world, and I know the way to fix them. I know the way to interact with people. I know the way to fix all this. I know the way to fix my life. I got this. You say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Jesus says, I'm pleading for you to let me help you. I'm pleading for you to make me the foundation of your life because all the stuff that you're chasing after, it's not going to give you what you're looking for, but I can if you just say yes to me those who i love i rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent jesus says let go of all of those things let go of all that junk and come to me here i am i stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with that person and they with me this line about jesus coming in and dining when it was written people would know that this is a picture of unity like family that level of unity Jesus says, I will make you a part of my family, but you're lost, and you don't even know that you're lost. You're not even hot or cold. You're lukewarm. Maybe you like the idea of me, or maybe you like what I'm about, and you'll stand on the sidelines and cheer, but you're not ready to commit your life to me, and you're not ready to make me the foundation of your life. You want to make it about this issue, or this person, or this thing over there, whatever it is, and I can't do anything with all of those, and so I'm going to spit you out. Another Translation says, I'm going to vomit you out. Now, you can interpret that however you want to interpret it, but that is an intense visual picture. And this is Jesus once again saying, There is no middle ground. I am the only gate. There is only one gate. And Paul writes about it too in Acts and says this He says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It is only Jesus. It has always been Jesus. He is the gate, and he's the only gate. And every person in this room has to decide for themselves, is he worth opening the door for? Everyone in this room has to decide if they're going to step off whatever wide road that they're on, if they're going to abandon whatever hired hand they decide to follow instead. We've got to decide if the potential byproducts that we've been waiting for, if they never come, if everything else gets stripped away and it's only Jesus, we have to decide, is Jesus enough? And until you do that, I promise you that nothing else matters. Nothing else matters because here's the truth. Here's the truth. And after this, you don't get to say that no one loved you enough to tell you this. Here's the truth. The truth is Jesus is either Lord of it all for you. He is either the foundation. He's either the source of your joy and your happiness. He is either it. Jesus is either Lord of it all or he is not Lord at all to you. And how you decide to respond to that question, it will directly impact the rest of your life and the rest of eternity. I promise you this. And so the band's going to come back up and we're going to sing one more song. And I'm going to ask you not to stand right away and I'm going to ask you not to sing right away. Instead, I'm going to ask you to sit right where you're at and I'm going to ask you to pray and wrestle through this and really wrestle through this and pray to God and say man if there is something that is fighting for my attention right now I need you to eliminate that for me because I need to come back to what is good I need to come back to the one true gate and if you've never said yes to Jesus then I pray for you, my prayer for you all this week is that you will say man I have been caught up in what other thing, any other thing my entire life and I am ready for something real and I am ready for something fulfilling and I really believe that the Holy Spirit works through his word. And I believe that there are some people in here that need to make a decision. There are some people in here who need to cut ties with hired hands and return home to the real shepherd or officially open their hearts to Jesus for the first time. And so take a couple minutes and weigh this extremely important question of who is Jesus to you? And if Jesus is all you have, is he enough? And if you come to the conclusion that he is The song that we're going to sing is called Nothing Else, where we literally say, I just want you, Jesus. Nothing else will do. I'm not here for the blessings. I'm not here for anything else. You can take everything else away, Jesus. I am here for you and you alone. And if that's where you are, by the time you get finished praying, we invite you to stand up and sing with us. But before we do, let's pray together. Jesus. Jesus, I am sorry personally my own self, my own life in any moment where I've let anything else get in the way of seeing who you are clearly. I confess my own brokenness and my own lack of attention to get pulled away by this thing. I don't care how messed up the world is or how many broken things are happening. I just want to focus on you. And I pray in this place that any person who's been caught up in any other mess, any other lie that the world is telling, any other hired hands, God, I pray that you just make that clear for them right now and that you call them back to yourself because you are all that's good in the world. You are the only true fulfillment, the only true salvation, the only true life. And we can find that nowhere else. Jesus, make that so clear in this place that we are forced to make a decision. And God, I pray that these people choose you because you are so good. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us when we did not deserve it. Thank you for giving us an opportunity at a new life. Thank you for giving us one true path that shines clear, that cuts through all the junk, that you stay consistent now and forever. We follow you. We love you. You are above all things. We bow to your beauty and your majesty. your love everything that you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your name, in your name alone.